Colossians, today is on family. And Micah 4, 4, and 5 shouldn't be in there, so I'm not sure should have erased that from there. But it's Colossians 3. Read Colossians 3, 12 through 21. We'll read the entire paragraph there. And then our focus will be 18 through 21. Recall, right? Christ, you know, having called us to put to death those sins in our lives, what has he given us? New clothes. And he says, put them on. You know, meekness, mercy, uh, humility, and so forth. Forgiveness, love. Put all those clothes. Let's put it on Christ. And uh, with that, he brings us into a new community. The... uh, body of believers, new creation. And in that connection, he says, well, I also have something to say about the family because putting on the new clothes of Christ also shows in the way in which we govern, um, how God's word governs the relationships within our family. And that's going to be our focus today is Colossians 3, 18 through 21. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents. In all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Or we can say, lest they lose heart. That's another way of saying that. So yeah, that's our focus today, is verses 18 through uh, 21 of Colossians chapter 3. Nicely divided for us is a word to wives. Wives get special attention because they're the first ones mentioned. And then husbands. Yeah, they need the commands. There's two of them for husbands. And then there's children. And then there's a word for fathers again. So um, really it's, it's the Lord restoring to us what it means to live in proper relationships within the family. So it needs to be said, it needs to be uh, preached on from time to time. Um, it seems very old and ancient. It seems like that belongs to the 16th century. And if you talk to people today, by the way, it may surprise you, or maybe it doesn't surprise you, I don't know, but you know that in the province of Ontario, since 2017, so that's six years ago, up to four adults, whatever gender, Male or female, doesn't matter. It could be four males, could be four females, could be a mix. Up to four adults, maybe a child's legal parents. 
a child's legal parents. It doesn't have to be a biological child, by the way. It doesn't have to be a birth from one of the four. Okay, it can be through surrogacy or in vitro fertilization. But you see how far our society has removed itself from God and his ways. They say, oh, that's old. But look what this happened. Look what happens now. They design their own way. By removing God, by removing the word of God from their thinking and from their uh, way of living, what happens? They say, we want to decide. We want to design the family that the way we want to do it. And you know what happens? This is a form of rebellion against God. And rebellion leads to confusion. And confusion just leads to more hurt, pain, and grief. Isn't that what you see in society around us today? Brokenness. Simply because it comes from the, the wisdom of man. But you know, in the midst of it, God's word does not change. Culture changes. We're always changing. But God's word says the same thing for all time. Doesn't matter which culture, doesn't matter where we live in the world, God's word always says the same thing, also regarded to families. Who created marriage? It's not an invention of man. God created marriage. And he created marriage to be between one woman, one man, one woman, to the exclusion of all others. And he also says what the purposes of marriage are. Companionship, right? Having children, and for the maintaining of good order in society. Because really, when you have uh, a sound marriage, a sound family, those are the building blocks for the church. Those are the building blocks for an orderly society. And yet because of sin, uh, because of the consequences of sin, we live in a real broken world, don't we? Marriages are broken, families break, bring with all kinds of loss and grief. And you hear about the violence, abuse in relationships, relationships of the, of the trust that are most sacred kind, marriages, husband and wife, between parents and children. And notice the focus in Colossians 3, 18 to 21, is that God says there's a new way, there's a better way, there's the only way, and that's through Christ, right? He comes to us with the gospel of Christ, and the gospel of Christ, right, God forgives us through Christ when we believe on him, and with that belief comes change. And what, that, what kind of change comes? In every way, it also affects family, family relationships, marriage, raising of children in every way. You know, you may have scars of the past. You may hurt, you may have hurt, you may have griefs, you may have desires. But by the grace of God, God says, I put this before you. I give these commands. These are commands of life. But the beautiful thing is I give you my spirit so that you may walk in those ways. And those ways for family are blessed ways. That's the tone all throughout scripture, isn't it? So what change does salvation in Christ, what, what, what change does that bring to family? 
to marriage and children, the raising of children. Well, God has a word to wives, to husbands, to children, to fathers. We'll look at each one of those. And the first two are my longest points. The last two are my shorter points. But first of all, a word to wives. What does God say to wives? Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. What? Submit? That has become an ugly word in the 21st century. You think that really applies to today? Don't you think that just belongs to Paul's day? Does it really apply to today? It certainly does. You notice how Satan works? Satan's first way to work is to target the authority structure within the marriage relationship. If he can, if he can undermine that, that's the beginning of undermining the family, undermining the church. But he first attacks the family relationship. You know, our contemporary world has stripped the beauty, the truth of God's design for the word submit. It's meant to be a beautiful word. When you hear it, you hear ugliness. You hear badness, right? And no doubt, husbands have applied this word submit in terrible ways. But that's not because they understand it. It's because they misunderstand what God means by it and what God always intended by it. Because Satan's design, Satan's strategy is to get you to read something bad into that word submit. Something that God never intended, something that God never said. This exhortation, wives, submit to your own husbands. Notice where that comes from, that command, that instruction. It comes on the heels of verses 12 through 17. Putting on the new clothes of Christ. It comes with the package. When you put on Christ, this comes with it. He has given you these new clothes to put on. What are those new clothes? Tender mercies. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all, putting on love. So you notice here, there's no sense, there's no sense of asserting oneself here, right? But the sense of you die to yourself, you die to yourself and give of yourself. In this case, the wife is to give herself to her husband. How? by submitting to him. In this case, giving yourself to your own husbands by submitting is fitting to the Lord. Notice what it says there? As is fitting to the Lord. Fitting here means pleasing. This really pleases the Lord. The Lord delights in this when we understand it in his way, the word submit. This delights the Lord. If a husband forces his wife to disobey the Lord, then she must not obey him. That's clear too, because our first priority is always God and his word. So it's very clear, the husband also must submit to God. And if he wants his wife to violate or go against or disobey God's word, 
she must say no. That's not disrespecting her husband. That's respecting God. You know what? Then his wife, and she disobeys. What's, what's she showing her husband? She's showing her husband the way of true submission. True submission by not obeying. That's really important. When we disobey our husbands because we want to obey God, we're showing our husbands the way of true submission. No, husband, I'm not submitting to you because the way of true submission is you need to submit to God too. We both together need to submit to God. So that's the one side. On the other hand, the wife must not sacrifice the temptation to rule her husband's life, right? Since the fall into sin, that has been the tendency, right? Sometimes you hear the phrase, the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck, right? He turns the head, right? Now, certainly we work together, right? Husbands and wives work together, but there's one head, God created man to be the head in the family, the head of his wife. But you know what happened after the fall into sin? After the fall into sin, the headship of man is marred. It's affected. Remember what God said to Adam's wife, Eve? Your desire shall be for your husband. This is a consequence of sin. What does it mean that your desire shall be for your husband? Often I think we read into it, oh, I'm going to be excessively dependent on my husband. That's not what that means by desire. What desire means here is that is a sense of excessive determination to dominate him, right? Desire to overcome him, to manipulate him, to control him. <laughs> that's the tendency. Um, that's probably the, I mean, that's, that's the sinful tendency. Even in Christian marriages, there's that sinful tendency. We have to be aware of that, right? Um, yeah, her longing shall be to control him. So you know what? The women's liberation movement in the 20th century is nothing new. <laughs> it just comes in new forms. But it began in the garden already. So it's, it's just new, I mean, it's old lies and new forms and new clothing. It began right after man sent in the garden. And just cause so much grief and chaos in marriages because you can't have two heads. God knows that. He's wise. He says, wise is not. You can't have two heads in the marriage because if you have two heads, uh, you, you, you split apart. But if you have one head, a respectful head, right? We're going to get to that in a minute. But God calls the man or the husband to be the head of the family. Um, you know, it's so important. Why? Because if we do away with that, if we do away with the idea of man being head of the family, we become poor examples to our children. And when they grow up, they don't learn to know how to properly submit to their teachers. They may submit to them, but they don't know how to do it properly. They don't know how to submit to their teachers they don't know how to submit to their authorities. They don't know how to submit to their church leaders. Or even as Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another. It's skewed because they never saw it as God intended them to see it in their relationship between husband and wife. But by God's grace in Christ, the beautiful thing, God says, let's go back to the way things should be. 
And he says, you know what? And I give you the grace in Christ. I give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can begin anew. It's a struggle, but let's begin. You walk with me. And this is how we do it. Therefore, the word to wives, submit to your own husbands. And remember this. Too often, I think we think that uh, the command, wives, submit to your husband, means that the wife is less than the husband. Not true. The wife is in no way inferior to the husband. Never, never, never. Okay? Neither is the husband superior to the wife. That's a misunderstanding of submission, biblical submission. Remember what Paul said? That in Christ, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Both, in other words, both male and female are created equal, and both are equal in Christ. Both equally receive salvation. So that's what we need to understand. Um, substantially equal. But equality does not mean that husbands and wives have the same function. Men can't bear babies, though they're trying to do that today. Right? But men can't bear babies. That's a, that's a function that God gave to women. Okay, there's a difference in function. Man is the head of the wife. That's, the fu- that's a functional aspect that God's given to man. Scripture sees, you could say in general terms, the man is the breadwinner, the protector, right? He's generally stronger, right? His, in his physique, he's the protector. And Scripture sees the wife as, as you could say, helper, Genesis 2, verse 20. He's the nurturer of children. One is not better than the other. One is not more important than the other. If you're going to put importance on something, I think nurturing children, that's the most important because he who rocks the cradle rules the world, so to speak. There's that saying. So that's a real important thing, raising children. But how might this proper, the question is, how might this proper submission be encouraged in women? Husbands have a huge responsibility in this regard. If husbands want to see that kind of proper submission in women, in their wives, what must they do? The two go together. Husbands, love your wives. That's the second command here. To the husbands, love your wives. You know, if you want a proper submission, there better be a proper love. The two go together. That's harmony in our relationship. Husbands, love your wives. Verse 19. And remember here, love is not a feeling. We don't necessarily, husbands, we don't necessarily always have that feeling of love for our wives. The love here is a kind of word that means action, right? It's not just words. Oh, honey, I love you. You could say that, but it's actions. Uh, Love is an, an active thing. That means it's a love that's willing to give yourself for the sake of your wife, even willing to die for the sake of your wife. Isn't that what Christ did for his bride, the church? He gave his life for his bride. He's the head, but he gave, it's a beautiful model that God gives in scripture in Ephesians 5. The husband is to give his life, right? It's a sacrificial love where he denies himself. 
He dies to his old self and he lives to God. In so doing, he also lives for his, his wife or say loves his wife. You know, again, we have to see that the command to husbands follows on the heels of what? If you see Colossians 3, verse 12 and following, we can't divorce it from there. By the way, outside of Christ, nowhere in the world can there ever be proper submission, proper love. You will not find it in any religion, not in Hinduism, not in Islam, not in Sikhism. It will always be compromised. Always. Because only by the Spirit of Christ can there this be this beautiful harmony that God intends and brings us back to. It's a restoration to what we were as image bearers in the creation. And that's what he restores to us in Christ. It's only in Christ. So, yeah, to husbands, love your wives. It, it goes back, again, on the heels of um, Colossians 3, verse 12. In your new life in Christ... You have received that outer garment. Remember that outer garment put on above all love? That outer garment called love. That's the coat that covers all those other new set of clothes that you received in Jesus. Right? Tender mercies, verse 12, 13. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Husbands, that's the new clothes that we've put on in Christ. Don't we, we struggle, yes, but still Christ has given us, put them on. This is how I want you to exercise your calling to love your wife. What a beautiful way to encourage that willing submission to the wife. With, often in a relationship, if the, husband, if the wife is not willing to submit, there's a problem with the husband. Often. The husband takes responsibility, needs to take responsibility for that. Ephesians 5, again, Paul compares the love of the husband, what it should be for his wife, as compared to Christ. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Like Christ, the, the Christ who is the head of the body, so the husband is the head of his wife. And you notice he's to exercise his headship, or you could say his authority in their marriage relationship, in the way of Christ, in a loving way. What's Christ's way with his bride? He wants to cultivate the best in her. Verses 26 and 27 of Ephesians 5 explains that. He wants to present her faultless, without spot. And likewise, the husband had the same responsibility to bring out the best in his wife. Cultivate it. To bring out so that she may shine. Often, I think, husbands tend to put down their wives. But again, remember Christ's relationship with his bride. That's the model that's set before us. Okay. What a, you know, the husband has a responsibility for encouraging his wife to want to submit to him. How? By loving her. One thing husbands should never say to their wives, you must submit to me. Because the Bible says so, and then ignore the command, love your wife. That is such hypocrisy. That is sinful. Sinful. That's of the world. That's not true submission. Because true submission can only be exercised when there's husband loving the wife.
<laughs> There's no place for husbands treating their wives as somebody less, equal. They are God's image bearers every bit as man is. Many wives are not loved in the world. Many wives are not protected by their husbands. Husbands, you'll hear that again and again. They beat their wives. They hit their wives. They strike their wives. They demean their wives. They degrade their wives and physically and verbally abuse their wives. It must not be. It's not Christian. It's not Christian. It may be the norm for some cultures, but it's not the culture of Christ. It's not the culture of the new clothes, the set of clothes that Christ has given. It doesn't fit that description in verses 12, 13, and 14, does it? It's not putting, for the husband, it's not putting on the outer garment of life, of love Christ has given to you. And that's why sometimes marriages can become the places of the most terrible chaos and darkness and grief and hurt. And that's why God in Christ offers this gospel. It's the gospel of new relationships, isn't it? How to govern. His word governs relationships in a new way, but that comes with a new relationship with God in Christ Jesus. And then putting it into practice. Oh, we'll be tested. We'll be challenged. We'll get, sometimes the husbands will yell at the wife or back and forth. Those things will always happen. Doesn't make it right. But we're always reminded of the gospel again in marriage. Well, Paul therefore commands husbands in verse 19, and do not be bitter toward them. Why is that? So husbands have two commands here. They need it. Because the wife, according to scripture, is the, the weaker vessel, physically weaker and so on. But husbands are commanded not to be bitter toward them. Another translation here is harsh. Don't be harsh towards your wife. You are to avoid the temptation to resent her for the person that she is. Don't be harsh. Don't be angry when she turns out like you a real human being with sins and flaws and weaknesses. She's just like you with sins and flaws and weaknesses. Look what Jesus did for us who by nature are so unattractive. You talk about people being unattractive, that's us. <laughs> we are the most unattractive people in the sight of God and yet God gave Jesus, right? Jesus so loved us. God so loved us. He gave us only begotten son. And look what Jesus does. He, he says, I'm going to make you attractive. <laughs> he says, I'm going to use my word. I'm going to use my spirit. I'm going to give you this instruction about the family and children because I want you to become my attractive bride. Oh, we were an ugly bride. All the warts, you know, uh, the warts and the pimples and just so defaced and marred. Christ says, I'm going to make something beautiful out of you. And that's what he's doing. And that's what Christ has in mind for our marriages, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You notice that today marriage is dying? Why is marriage dying? 
Because marriage, many don't see that marriage is about dying. Marriage is about dying. It's about dying to self. And if we're not dying to self in marriage, marriages will die. Marriages die. It's about dying to self in Christ. And what does it mean to die in Christ? It means wives submitting. That's how she gives herself to her husband. It means husbands loving their wives. That's what it means to give yourself to your wife. It's, in some ways, you could say like a mutual submission, isn't it? It's mutually submitting to Christ, that is. But if mutually submitting to Christ, then that kind of submission and that kind of love can be exercised in a way that is so God-pleasing and delightful in a marriage. These things are sometimes not easy to say because we live in a culture which has so many thoughts and thinkings about this. But it's always good to go back to God's word and to be reminded, isn't it? Um, giving yourself to the other. You know, in this we set an example before our children. So important. First of all, it glorifies God. We should never forget that. That's the reason why we do it. But second of all, it, uh, it benefits your wife or husband. And third of all, it uh, sets an example before your children. That brings us to children. Children. What's the command to children? Obey your parents in all things. By the way, that word obey is not the same word as wives submitting. Right? It's a different kind of thing. Wives are not children. Right? A wife is the equal partner in the relationship and that's why he uses the word submit. But for children, it's a different kind of relationship. Children obey. Listen up, parents will say. And then sometimes children say, no. Is that obeying? No, that's not obeying. Children, obey your parents in some things. All things? You mean everything? Why? Because this is pleasing to the Lord. To the Lord, children, remember, the Lord delights in this, and he will bless you for it. He will bless you for it. That's the, the sense here. That's the biggest reason why you obey dad and mom. Not because you have to, but because the Lord loves it. He delights in it, in your obedience. Oh, sometimes it's hard, it's tough. Because we have to deal with a sinful heart. You see, not just obeying outwardly, but from the heart. That's what you can pray for. Lord, help me to obey mom and dad willingly. Sometimes in my heart, I hate what they say to me. But what they're saying is right. Help me to change my heart, Lord, and make me what you want me to be as a child. You can pray that as a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, 12-year-old, because the gospel of Jesus is also for you. It's for all God's children, right? And whatever you do, don't talk back. You talk back once, that's it. Not a second time, because then there's huge consequences. Don't talk back. And listen. And don't compare yourself with other kids. Yeah, but no, 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 no. They have their parents. 
You have your mom and dad. You're not them. Don't complain. God placed your dad, God placed your mom over you. Does mom always do things perfectly? Yeah? No, not perfectly. And does dad always do things perfectly? Hmm. Mom does, dad doesn't. Okay, so dad and mom will not do things perfectly. They will make mistakes because they also need the gospel of Jesus. They also need to ask for forgiveness and they realize, oh, why did I do this? You have to understand that. And so what are you to do? You're to be patient. You be patient with your mom and dad because sometimes, you know, they're sometimes in a bad mood. It's not right, I know, but sometimes they're in a bad mood. Sometimes they don't do things right. But you be patient anyway. Why? Because Christ rules over you through them. Just see your parents as kind of like God in their place. Okay, they're, they're taking the place of God in a certain sense. They're not God, but they're taking the place of Christ to rule over you, to have authority over you, to care for you. Wow, you need grace for that. Boy, big time. Because you can't make your heart want that, but you can pray for it. The gospel of Jesus is so big. Too many parents just allow their children to do just as they please. You know what? The world loves that. Satan loves that. Satan says, we want your children. Give them over to us. Don't train. Don't discipline. Let them do as they please. Oh, Satan loves that. But you know what? Don't let them do as they please. When you let weeds grow in the garden, what happens to the weeds? <laughs> it takes over everything and it kills all the good. Likewise, your children, they're not mature like you are, right? With the age and with the wisdom. They're sinful by nature like you are. And the big thing today is to let kids rule and parents drool, right? Kids rule, they have authority. You notice that in, in Western society, there is a great distaste for authority, authority in the marriage relationship. And hence, because it's a great distaste for authority in the marriage relationship, there's a great distaste for authority in the family. Children say, give me this and now. And what the child needs is a good spanking. That's what the child needs because scripture also says, spare the rod, spoil the child. No, I'm not talking about hitting. Hitting is different from spanking. Hitting is physically hurting. Spanking is a way of humbling the child and saying, listen, I'm, in, I'm here on behalf of Christ, there to train you, and you listen. It's about listening to Christ. You need grace for that. Don't cater to them. Oh, we can give them the cell phone or the tablet for hours on end to keep them quiet. But that's letting them go in the way of the world. You know, say no. Say no to it. You're the parent. You're the authority. You need to say no to it. If you don't say no, 20 years later, you may be crying and say, I lost my child. 
not to death, but to the world, which is, of course, a form of death. Oh, be firm with them, be strong with them, and they will thank you when they're older. The Bible warns that one of the marks of increasing wickedness in the last days is disobedience to children. It's a disobedience, sorry, is a disobedience to parents. Consistent discipline, training, instruction in the Lord as hard work. The weeds need to be rooted out. Don't let them talk back. Be firm. You're their parent in Christ's behalf. And God gives you the grace he does for this really important task. Boys and girls, your mom, your dad, they want the best for you. And they know what's best for you. You might not always like it, but you pray for an obedient heart. And the Lord blesses that. You know what the Bible says? If children obey, it will be well with you. It will, you will live long on the earth, which the Lord your God is giving you. Long means here, not necessarily long, many, many years, but the quality of life. It will be the blessing of the Lord. Obey in all things. But of course, if they tell you to do something that's against the Bible, then you may say no. You must say no. If your parent says, do this, and it's against the Bible, then you have to obey God first, right? So that, on all things, means, of course, in the context of obedience to the Lord. And finally, we have one more instruction to fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You know, it's interesting that Paul here, by addressing fathers, he's addressing the head of the family, right? It doesn't mean he's excluding mothers here. We should not misunderstand that because often uh, fathers and mothers should be talking together. They should be discussing together, right? And sometimes the wife can give wisdom where the husband is maybe lacking it, but it's the father then who makes sure that it's carefully um, worked out right, in the family situation. So it's very much of a discussion point together. But, but the father has a primary responsibility to make sure that it's done in Christ's way. He takes primary responsibility. And the command here is not to provoke or exasperate your children. Now, a child may say, after you spank him, Father, you're provoking me. No, that's not what provoking means here. It doesn't mean... Just because a child gets a spanking doesn't mean a child is provoked. Not necessarily. What does it mean to provoke? It means placing unreasonable demands on your kids or humiliating them before your brothers and sisters or humiliating them before others or abusing them with words or showing favoritism showing favoritism to one over against their siblings. Children treated like this easily become discouraged. They lose heart. They're fragile, easily broken. If they continually hear that they are of little value, then pretty soon they begin to believe what they hear. Sadly, I've heard parents insisting that their son or daughter go to university and become a civil engineer. Sometimes a child can't do it. Sometimes a child is not gifted for that. 
Sometimes a child can do really well in labors, in trades. They complete high school and they're happy in their world of trades. They're not less valuable in any way. In a Christian home, the parents' duty is to live out the gospel before their children to assure them they are loved, accepted, valued for who they are, not for who they might be or what they should become. Not every child is going to be like his or her older brother. Everyone, every child has special value in God's kingdom. Don't provoke. Don't demean. Don't devalue. Don't say that he went to university, therefore you should too. No. Each has his own calling that God places upon the child. Sometimes, you know what happens? A parent will lie to their children in order to make them obey. So wrong. Because you're not respecting your child. Well, as a matter of fact, you're breaking trust with your child. Why should they believe you later? Why should they believe others later? It's a way of provoking. It's a way of irritating a child. Parents, by loving your children, spend time with them around the supper table. Instructing, training, that's the positive part. Instructing, training, spending time with them, playing games with them. By the way, in the New York Times, it's a big newspaper, and there was an article in there with the title, Parents, Don't Play With Your Children. Now, people start reading it and they start believing it. This is so wrong. See what the wisdom of the world where it leads to? Bankruptcy. Of course we play with our children. As part of spending time. As part of growing up, training them. Obedience of the Lord with a glad and loving response. This is the order. This is the new order that Jesus restores to marriage in the family. This is, the, this, is, this is to put into practice putting on the new set of clothes that Jesus has given you. In this area too, in the area of marriage and the family, we can all encourage and support, support each other, one and all, whether married or unmarried or bearing the scars or whatever is in the past, the scars from the sin of the past, makes no difference that way because we're called to encourage one another also in this. Remember the words from last week, the command, let the word of Christ honishing one another. His grace, his love to those around us, his forgiveness and willing to express that. So yes, even in the area, in this area, let's encourage, help one another. What a privilege because God gives us a pattern and a plan, the gospel plan to live by his grace. Amen.